first time somebody carried my computer. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming. What a crowd. My goodness. Pastor, you got to break open this building. Have another wing or something. And it's not, it's not going to take... It's not going to take too long and there won't be any, but that's a good problem. Pastor Wright, I want to thank you and I want to thank uh, Mother Wright and Bishop, Sister Angie, for having me. I don't take this lightly. I really don't. This is incredible. I told my husband this afternoon, I spoke at uh, from behind the pulpit of Pastor Wright and Bishop Chester Wright. He said, oh my goodness, I guess that makes you a VIP. I said, no, I was a VIP before. <laughs> to you. <laughs> oh, my goodness, my poor husband. <laughs> he has to live with me. Um, <laughs> I would like to speak to you today about being a giant slayer. Yeah. I, there, there are giants, you know, in all of our lives. You know, we, and we must face them. We can't run away from them. David didn't. But we need the power of his spirit and his anointing and his authority in order to not just face them, but to, to get rid of them. You know, just kill the giants, you know. You not only will do yourself a favor, you will do your family a favor. You get rid of some giants, right? We all have giants. We all have giants. But we don't have to be intimidated because we serve a very big God. Samuel chapter 7 I'm sorry media I always give it to them like five minutes before I speak first Samuel 17 if you have your Bibles with you I'm sure that it'll come out on the screen before long first Samuel chapter 17 you know the story about David and, and his giant verses 41 to 51 that's 10 verses folks so we're gonna read them <laughs> as quickly as possible I'll read them and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. Pastor, thank you for praying for me tonight. Thank you for, I mean, you did not put me on the spot. I needed it. I am, I am uh, tired from, um, the conference was fabulous. 31, got the Holy Ghost. Five this morning. More are going to get the Holy Ghost. You want it, you're going to receive it. But, but, uh, but it, 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 was, it was exhausting and everything. But God just just infused me with strength as you were praying for me. How wonderful the body of Christ. And the man that bare the shield went before him and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And, and the Philistine cursed David and the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give your flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee. And that's what we need to start doing. You know, we look at a difficult situation. Hey, you can come to me with everything. Throw everything, including the kitchen sink at me. But I am coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied this day. Now, now, from this 
moment forth, David begins to prophesy over the giant of what's going to happen to him in the future. He said, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He's going to give you to me. And I will kill you. <laughs> well, okay, he says, I will smite thee. I just love dramatizing scripture. <laughs> and take your head from you. I mean, he was prophesying, this is, this is the stuff I'm going to do to you. Why don't we do that with our giants? We, we tend to want to run and hide. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. I mean, I mean, the vultures are going to come and eat you. <laughs> and to the wild beasts of the earth, it was pretty violent. That all the earth may know. You know why I'm going to do all this to you? Because I want everybody to know that there's a God. In Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass. When the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. Then David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it. David chose five, probably for him and his, all of his, you know, all of Goliath's, Goliath had brothers, you know. He probably took five stones to kill all of the brothers, but he used one and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. He killed the Philistine. The Philistine was gone. Slew him. But David wasn't finished. I mean, he could have walked away. It's over. You know, the champion of the enemies is gone. But no, not enough. There was no sword in the hand of David, for David ran, stood upon the Philistine. <laughs> I'd like to watch that. And took Goliath's sword. It's about time we took the weapons that the devil is using against us. Turn it around and take off his head. out of the sheet thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith and when the Philistines saw that their hero their champion was dead they ran away they ran away they fled it was over you may be seated thank you for standing so long now I like to dramatize Bible stories when I read something in the Bible, Pastor, I like to imagine I'm a fly on the wall. I like to imagine that I'm in the wilderness walking with, you know, and, and circling the wall with Joshua. I like to do stuff like that. I, I mean, I just like to dramatize it. I'm not adding to the word. I like to make it come alive in my own mind because it is the living word. And I want to get really into it. I want to meditate on the word and imagine what, uh, uh, what it would have been like or how they did it over there. Just imagine this story in your mind. Goliath stands down from the hillside. What, what are we talking about? Giant slayers. We're going to take down giants tonight. Is that okay? If you have a giant that you're facing in your life, we're going to take it down. Amen. All right, just be excited. <laughs> Goliath stares down from the hillside. He and his Philistine herd have rendered half of the valley into a forest of spears. A growling 
bloodthirsty gang of hoodlums. Goliath towers above them all. Nine feet, nine inches tall, wearing 125 pounds of armor. Now I sound like a con- <laughs> now I sound like an announcer for WWF. I'm sorry, but you're thinking. I was I, look. I was saved from the world. So if I use words like that, don't be upset. You're like, what do you know about WWF? I don't know anything about it. See, I don't even have time to do anything like that. But anyway, you know. <laughs> I mean, he was the Goliath. Must have been snar- snarling. Like a contender at the Worldwide Wrestling Federation's championship night. I mean, he probably was wearing a size 25 collar and a 56-inch belt. He looked imposing. But there were no Hebrew volunteers. Nobody said, let me at him. They were all hiding behind a rock. You know, waiting for, I don't know, cheese sandwich. I don't know what David was bringing. I don't know what they were waiting for, but they were hiding behind a rock. Let me tell you, apostolics of Antioch. Don't hide behind a rock anymore. You come out, you face your giant, and you go after them. Go after it. Okay? Rush your giant. Rush it. Pastor, I love this this church. I mean, they really are excited about the word and everything. I mean, it's incredible. I love it. Wow. Okay. You're exciting me. (laughs) I need to rush mine. (laughs) I have some of it. There will be other giants, and I'll have to rush those. I'm not hiding behind a rock. There were no Hebrew volunteers that day. Nobody said, let me at him. Come on, let me go. Until today. Until David. Skinny, scrawny David. (laughs) All right? (laughs) Bulky, brutish Goliath. The toothpick versus the tornado. Have you ever seen a toothpick in a tornado? You won't. <laughs> the minibike attacking the 18-wheeler. You know, I remember, oh, I remember one time my husband was very tired driving. I told him, why don't you sleep and I'll drive. I was very new and I was very young, just married. And I was, I was very young and I didn't know really how to drive a big car. But I thought, you know, he's tired, I'll drive. It was one of American freeways. I, I am, this is my nation now, but I wasn't born here, so I was driving. And all of a sudden, I don't know where it came from. All I saw was 18 wheels. (laughs) It was like, "Mm," and the car was like, what was that? I'd never seen one before. So I pulled over, woke my husband up and said, I'm done with my American adventure. You can take over now. Wake up. (laughs) The mini bike, David. Attacking an 18, the toy poodle taking on a Rottweiler. Oh, that sounds it's kind of violent. And, and, and uh, I mean, well, what what odds? What odds do you give David against his giant? What odds? Well, you already know the story, so I suppose it's not fair to ask you. But I tell you what, probably better odds, perhaps, than you give yourself against your giant. Because you're willing to read that story and trust the God of David, but you won't trust your God. It's the same God. It's the same God. You know well the roar of Goliath. David faced, my voice is shot. David faced one who challenged him morning and night. Sounds familiar? 40 days. 
Forty days, twice a day, morning and evening, the giant strutted. Send me your best man and I'll take him on. Send me. I'll have him for breakfast. He strutted in front of the Israelite army, the army of God. Yours does the same, doesn't it? I mean, first thought in the morning, last thought at night. Yeah. If you have a first worrying thought in the morning, it's the last thought of night, that's your giant. You got to get rid of that first. It doesn't have, I mean, I don't care if it's the bill, the wife, the husband, the child, the marriage, the relationship, the finances, the business, the ministry, your health. If it is the first thought in the morning and the last thought at night, you have a stronghold and we can break that tonight. That's a giant and you've got to rush it and you've got to come against it. Your Goliath dominates your day and infiltrates your joy. He awaits you in the morning and torments you at night. He stalked your ancestors and now he looms over you. He blocks the sun and leaves you standing in the shadow of doubt. How long has your giant stalked you? You know, today I'm so excited about tonight because God showed me that there are some giants about to be slain. Oh, come on, you can do, I mean, are you excited? If you believe that there is a God in your life, seriously? I mean, if you believe that Jesus is alive and he rose from the dead on the third day, hallelujah. And now, 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 now your Goliath may not carry a sword or a shield, or, uh, he, he, but instead he, he may brandish blades of unemployment. Abandonment, drug abuse, alcohol, depression. Your giant may not parade up and down the hills of Elah, but he prances through your mind, your bedroom, your office, your classroom, your house. He brings bills you cannot pay, grades you cannot make, people you cannot please, alcohol you cannot resist, pornography you cannot refuse, a career you cannot escape, a past you cannot shake, and a future you don't want to face. He does that. You know your Goliath. You've seen your giant. You have. But the question I'm asking is, is that all you see? Is he all you see? You know his voice, but is that all you hear? David heard more. David saw more. I mean, you know why? You know why I say that? Read the first words he spoke, not just in the battle, but in the Bible. David asked the men standing near him. <laughs> this is so cocky, but it's so David, you know. <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> he's, he's really incredible. He was, he, he was asking the men. He hadn't even equipped himself to fight the giant, but he asked the men, he asked the men who's standing near him, he says, so <clears throat> if I kill this giant, what do I get out of it? <laughs> he didn't even say if. The scripture is, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Wow. He says, look, I am going to kill him. Because God's going to kill him for us. But I just want to know what's in it for me. <laughs> I, mean, so I just, I read this and I just, I, I think it's amazing. <laughs> you know, that kind of confidence he had in his God. We need to receive confidence in God back again. We need to become God confident all over again. 
Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies, armies of the living God? David shows up discussing God. The soldiers mention nothing about God. You notice, you read that scripture. Read, read the whole of 1 Samuel 17. His brothers were hiding, the soldiers were hiding behind the rock. They don't talk about God at all. They're mad at David. They're mad at David because they're like, you know, you, you, you have mischief in your heart. We know what you're up to. Just go and bring us some food. You don't know nothing. The soldiers, let me tell you something. There are people that are going to look at you and think, oh, you don't know anything. You only got the Holy Ghost a year ago. You only got the Holy Ghost five years ago. You don't know anything. You know, you don't know what to do. If you know your God and you spend significant amounts of time in the presence of God and you walk in his ways and you walk in holiness, you know enough to take out your giant. You know enough. Brothers never even spoke the uh, God's name. But David takes one step onto the stage and raises the subject of the living God. He mentions God nine times. Wow. <laughs> Two Goliath-related comments, no questions. He doesn't even ask, so how old is Goliath? How many years has he been with the, with, you know, this, this, the army? Or how long? I mean, what's his skill? What is his social standing? What is his IQ? Well, I can tell you that. David asks nothing about the weight of the spear, the size of the shield, or the meaning of the skull and crossbones Goliath is tattooed on his, I'm sorry, but when I don't like somebody in the Bible, I make up some nasty stuff about them. I don't like Goliath. So I imagined him had a tattoo on his arm and that he probably never brushed his teeth and never used soap. I'm sorry if you have a problem with it, sue me. <coughs> I'm glad about five people find it funny, but anyway. Um, David, David gives no thought to the mammoth hulk on the hill. But he gives a lot of thought to God. You come against me. That's what he says. As soon, as soon as he faces the giant, he says, hey, you're coming against me with what, a pathetic spear and a sword? Are you kidding me? I come against you in the name. I don't even have a sword or a spear. I don't need it. I have the name. If you have the name, if that name is applied on you through baptism in the name of Jesus and through the infilling of the Holy Ghost, if you have the name, Mother Right, we have the name. Brothers and sisters, we've got the name. We've got the name. And you need to shout that name out. What is it? What is it? What is it? And that's how the giant is going to go down. That's how you face your giant. That's how you take him out. You take out the giant. All you've got to say is, Jesus. And it's over. And he says, you, you, you come to me with all this, I don't know, hand grenade, AK-47, I don't know what you come, yeah, I don't even know what that is, I just, I remember funny stuff and use it to impress people, but I don't know anything about it. 
I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. You have insulted my God. You're going down, man. <laughs> I'm so, you're so dead. <laughs> I wish we would look at depression in our lives and say, you're going down, man. You're so dead. I wish we would look at anxiety and porn and other stuff that we're struggling with. That we would look at, we would look at division in our nation and go, you're going down, man. And this day, David told him, this day, the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down. I'm going to kill you and cut off your head. Today, I'm, only, I'm, I'm not just going to cut off your head. The vultures are going to come and have lunch. And it's going to be on you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, his God thoughts, David's God thoughts outnumbered Goliath thoughts. What about you? Yeah. Do your God thoughts outnumber your giant thoughts? Do you think about your giant more often than you think about God? How does this ratio compare with yours? Do you ponder God's grace four times as much as you ponder your guilt and your sin? Really? Okay, we all sin. We all make mistakes. Okay, so God's grace is greater. His grace is greater. His mercy lasts to all generations. Is your list of blessings four times as long as your list of complaints? No, I'm not saying go ahead and sin so that you can experience God's grace. I'm just saying that if you have, you can lean on his everlasting arms. Is your mental file of hope four times as thick as your mental file of dread? Are you four times as likely to describe the strength of Jesus as you are the demands of your day? No? Then David's your man. You know, some note, some, I've, I've read about this, some note that the absence of miracles in David's story, in David and Goliath's story. I mean, some say, well, there's no miracle there. There's no Red Sea openings and chariots flaming or dead Lazarus is walking. No miracles, but actually there is a miracle. David is the miracle. You are the miracle in your life. So don't sit around waiting for one. Don't sit around waiting for a miracle. You are that miracle. And, and, and David does the same thing with King Saul. No chit-chat about the battle or the questions about, you know, whether he's going to be able to make it or not. You know, David sees what others don't and refuses to see what others do. People have majored in Goliath. David majors in God. And when he talks to, when he talks to Saul, he just makes certain God-birthed announcements. The Lord who delivered me. This is what he's, and this is what you need to do with your Goliath, with your giants. Whether it's depression, poverty, whatever it is. Anxiety, anger, finances, your health, the kids, the marriage, the relationship. This is what you've got to do. You've got to say God's done it before. 
he's going to do it again. And that's what David says to Saul, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from that. God's done it before. I mean, the lion could have killed me with one strike. The bear could have destroyed me. But the Lord got rid of them both. You're nothing, Goliath. God's done it before. He's going to take you out. You know, this really, whenever I read this story, I don't really think that this is, this is not really about David versus Goliath. This is God focus versus giant focus. You need to decide what you're focusing on. Look carefully at David's battle cry. He says, I come to you in the name of the God of the armies. Armies. Plural. When you, when you read the story, there's only one army. Well, there's a Philistine army, but the army on David's side is the Hebrew army. David wasn't even talking about the Hebrew army. <laughs> they were hiding behind the rocks. He was not depending on the, those that did not want to engage in the fight. He, he, he wasn't concerned about those that had already given up on their God. No, he was not bothered about that. But he tells, he tells in his battle cry, he says, I come to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. Armies? I see only one army, but not David. He sees allies on D-Day. What are the allies? David already sees it. In his prophetic thoughts, in his prophetic relationship with God, he sees platoons of angels, infantries of saints. He sees the weapons of warfare. He sees, he sees a God that can split open the earth in a second and swallow up entire enemy force. He sees the wind and the forces of the earth. God could pellet the enemy with the hail as he did for Moses. He could collapse walls as he did for Joshua. He could stir thunder as he did for Samuel. David sees allies on D-Day. He's not even talking about the Hebrew army that had quit and gone home. <laughs> you know, one might read David's story and wonder what God saw in him. I mean, the man fell as often as he stood. I'm sorry, but he did. He, he messed up so many times. You know, makes me feel good about <laughs> my standing with God. The man fell so many times, stumbled as often as he conquered. He stares down Goliath one minute, and then he ogles at somebody else's wife the next moment. You know, he defied God mockers in the valley, and yet joined them in the wilderness. Thank you. An eagle scout one day, chumming with the mafia the next. He could lead armies, but could not manage a family. Raging David. Weeping David, bloodthirsty, God hungry, eight wives, one God, David. A man after God's own heart, God describing him. Wow, that makes me, that gives hope to all of us. <laughs> that God, God even saw him as a man after his heart gives hope to all of us. David's life has little to offer the A plus saint. You know the A plus saint, they don't do anything wrong. 
They scare the living daylights out of me. I'm like, okay, can I even shake your hand? <laughs> you know, straight A souls find David's story a little disappointing. The rest of us find it reassuring. I do. Because we ride the same roller coaster ride, don't we? We alternate between swan dives and belly flops. You know, souffles and burnt toast. In my case, it's more burnt toast and burnt souffles, which I cannot spell. In David's good moments, no one was better. In his bad, no one could be worse. The heart God loved was a checkered one. Giants lurk in our neighborhood, people. Rejection, failure, revenge, anger, division, hatred. Putting down some, uh, uh, groups of people. Lifting, uh, let me tell you, remorse, unforgiveness. Giants lurk in our neighborhoods. Alcohol, drug addiction, sexual addictions. Relationships that are being broken, giants lurk in our neighborhood. David sees the armies of God, and because he does, David rushes his giant. You know what I think happened, Pastor? Remember, I like to dramatize, right? So I'm sitting there reading the story, and I'm thinking, you know what, God? I think this is what happened. You're like, what? Okay. I think... That when David took his sling, put the pebble in there, and begin to whirl it. I think you got a hold of Michael, God. Why it's not in the word. It's not recorded. I just like to dramatize. I like to make it a little bit exciting. And God would may have said, Michael, yeah, when that stone leaves the sling, I want you to fly right next to the stone. And as the, so, as the stone torpedoes through the air towards the giant, as soon as the stone goes near, Michael, take the stone, slam it into that forehead. Well, he said armies. I think there were angels all around waiting for that child of faith to swing it. And when he let it go, Michael gets a hold of it, slams it. And that giant goes down. Oh, come on now, church. There are angels in your house right now. There are angels being sent. Platoons, infantries of God's soldiers, God's angels, God's warring angels, mighty warriors, ministering angels, archangels that are being sent to protect you, to feed you, to, take, to, to strengthen you. Oh, and David spots his target. He spots his target. And he seizes the moment. Let's stand, everybody. The sound, the sound of the swirling sling is the only sound in the air. <laughs> and Michael and the angels are waiting for God's orders. The angels don't listen to our orders. They only are accountable to God alone. Only God can order them. Our relationship is not with the angels. Our relationship is with Jesus and Jesus alone. So can you imagine Jesus turns around and tells the angels, go. <laughs> I love it. Listen, we... 
We live in the most exciting thing ever. The kingdom of God. This invisible realm where there's a war happening even right now. I wish we will get out of our little pathetic world and get involved in the invisible world above us. Where there's battles being won, battles being waged. Our walk doesn't have to be boring unless you want it to be boring. You can have your boring Christianity, but I am going to live in the realm of the kingdom and the power of God. And that stone leaves and torpedoes through the air. I wish I could. I actually, in my mind, I saw it in slow mo. <laughs> Y'all didn't know I knew that. Not that old, but anyway. And it enters and sinks into the skull of that braggy, boastful, uncircumcised Philistine. Goliath's eyes cross. His legs buckle. He crumples to the ground. David runs, yanks Goliath's sword, cuts off his head. So now, how long since you rushed yours? How long since you rushed your taunting habit? You know the habit that you really want to give it up. You, you really want victory over it. And you get victory over it for one Sunday or maybe even a whole week. And then, then it comes back. And you're thinking, God, I thought I got over it. I thought I had victory. Why is this coming back? God destroyed the bear and the lion. He's going to take care of that giant. How long since you, how long has it been since you rushed your Mocking thoughts. Oh, well, you sinned last week. God's not going to listen to you. Well, you had an angry thought. You had such <laughs> ungodly stuff going through your mind that nobody knows about. Those thoughts. God's not going to listen. Are you kidding me? All you got to do is say, God, help me. I don't want these thoughts. They come back, but help me. Cover me with your blood. It's gone. That's it. It takes about a second and a half for God's blood to cover it. Not 45 minutes repenting. Uh, yeah, if you, if, you, if you say you don't have sin, then you're lying. But then if you acknowledge it, you confess it to God. He's just and faithful. It doesn't say it takes 27 minutes for him to forgive. It says he just forgives the moment you acknowledge and say, I am sorry, it's gone. And then you're back in relationship. You're back in that anointing. You're back in that power team thing, you know. You're tight again. You're tight again. Uh-huh. Then you can throw that sling in any direction. 
But then you know what we do? We tend to retreat. You know, because, hey, we've prayed about that before. Nothing has changed. We, we've come to the altar and prayed against that sickness and disease and sin before. Well, God's not taken care of that yet. I'm still struggling with this, that, and the other. You know, I guess he's forgotten me. We tend to retreat and get mad at God and get mad at the church and get mad at whatever, mad at ourselves. We dug behind a desk of work or crawl into a nightclub for distraction. For a moment. Maybe that work behind the desk or the nightclub. For a moment, a day, we feel insulated, anesthetized. But then the work runs out, the liquor wears off, and the lover leaves, and we hear Goliath again booming. Listen, never mind. All of that stuff will never work. You might as well give it up. Get with Jesus and say, if you're not going to, you, you didn't. Okay, I'm still struggling with it, but tonight's my night. Tonight could be my night where it goes forever. Very simple. And this is what I've done in my own life. There have been giants of, of, of you know, sadness. When my father died, I had a giant of depression attack my mind when my daddy died because, you know, he, was, he got the Holy Ghost. Everybody, you heard his testimony. He had the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in Jesus' name. Brother Mangan baptized him. It was just incredible. My pastor baptized him. He died a saint. But, well, he was my best friend. So when I lost him, I, I the, the giant of depression and just attacked my mind and one day God said gotta get him out several times I've prayed and it never left and then one day I read the story the Lord said you have got to if you believe that I've done it I saved you from a priesthood background I saved you from another religion and brought you to this I delivered you from false religion you think that I cannot take care of this little thing And so I put that sling, the pebble in that sling, and I went after it. And this is what I want you to do. If you feel there's a giant in your life, I want you to be the first to come out. Now, if there's anybody here, if there's anyone here you have not received yet the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We had five or six get the Holy Ghost this morning. Praise God for that. But you know what? If you don't have the, if you, if you have a visitor, if you brought a visitor, you brought a guest, and you believe that they would, would be willing and want the Spirit of God. If you want the Spirit of God. Because if you need to take down giants, the first thing you need is the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled with the power of God in order to take out the enemy. Okay? So. The rest of us, if you have giants in your life, come forward real quick. Because we're going to do something right now. We're going to do an exercise right now. A little thing that you're going to take down your giant. Come on. Come on right in front, Brenda.
Don't be a, don't 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 let anything or any distraction or any kind of condemnation. Oh, God's not going to answer me. How am I going to take out my giant? God doesn't. God doesn't. God God knows everything that has happened in your life. There is nothing that He does not know. Well, I sinned last night. I sinned last week. Well, God was there. Believe it or not, God was there. God was there when right in the middle of it. So He already knows. He just loves you. Wants you to return. Wants you to have authority and power to take out that giant. This is a huge group of people in front. I want us to lift up our hands. You know why? Because first of all, we're going to do one of the most powerful things that the Bible commands us to do. If you want to take out giants, if you want authority with God, one of the most important things to do is repentance. You know why? Because when you repent, the blood of Jesus covers. After that, you receive the authority to be able to go after the stuff that is distracting. Repentance is important. So everyone, let's reach for the Spirit of God. Let's reach for His Spirit. Let's reach for Jesus. And let's pray together a prayer of repentance. You know, you know where you're at in your walk with God. You know what you may have done or you have, may have thought. And if it's sinful, you just ask God to forgive you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive me of my sins. Every thought that is not of you, every action, every word, every feeling, every choice, every decision that I've made that is not of you. Forgive me for fear. Forgive me for, the, for anxiety. Forgive me for every time I've worried about things because worry is sin. Forgive me, oh God, for feeling anxious and fearful. Forgive me for allowing the spirit of depression and anxiety to enter my life and enter my home. Forgive me for my sins, oh Lord. Forgive me for not trusting you enough because that's a sin as well. Forgive me for not having enough faith that you will come through for me. Forgive me, Jesus. Come on, church. All over the church, let's open our mouths. Ask God to forgive. And He's going to forgive. He will forgive. He's promised His forgiveness. If we confess our sins to Him, He is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all. Cleanse us. He's cleansing you right now from all unrighteousness. Receive the cleansing power of God, the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands and let's just worship God for one moment. And after that, we're going to do one more thing. We're going to do one more thing. Hallelujah. Can we worship God? Can we just thank Him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if there are people here who want the Holy Ghost, they've never received it, and you're standing near them, you can go ahead and pray for them, okay? Now, we're going to do one more thing, all right? Before the worship team comes and takes us to His presence. I want you to now, you've repented. Now, I want you to think about the giant that you're facing. What is that giant? Is it your health? Is it finances? Is it the kids, the marriage, the relationship? Is it anxiety, depression, resentment? Whatever else. It could be emotional issues, mental issues, physical issues, relational issues. What is it? You don't have to tell me. 
You have, you, are you focusing on your giant? Are you thinking about your giant? Are you thinking about your giant? All right. Hold up your hand as if you're holding a sling. There's a pebble in that sling. That one stone that's going to take that giant out. Hold it up above your head. Because you're going to start swinging that sling. That's a slingshot. Okay? It's a slingshot. You have loaded the slingshot with one pebble. That pebble is the name of Jesus. That stone is the name of Jesus. Do you have it? You have got Do you have it? You have it? You got it? All right. On account of one, two, three, you're going to swing it. All right? Are you ready? Go. Swing it. Swing it. All around. Come on. Swing that slingshot right now. Swing it. When I count to three and say in Jesus' name, you let it go. One, two, in Jesus' name. There goes your giant. Shout to God. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Shout to God with a voice of triumph.
Don't stop, don't stop praying, but I need you to hear this. This is very, very important. I ran it by pastor and, and he's, he is, uh, he's given me the liberty to do this. 
um, married couples, if your children are here with you, I would like for you, I know that they're all spread out everywhere, but if you could make your way to mom and dad or mom and dad make your way to your kids, can you come up in front? I wanna, we want to pray a special anointing over your marriage, your family, your children, their walk with God, your walk with God. Men, men of God, go find your wife and bring the ladies, go find your husband. Walk as a family because now those of you are, you know, you're single, you're not married. If you could just, we could just make a little bit of way for our couples to come together and their children. I want God to fix some things in our relationship. Is that okay? Okay. I, I, feel, a, I feel a burden, not a bad burden, just a heaviness in my heart. I want God to fix some things in our marriages, in our relationship with each other, with each other, with our kids, with our wives, with our husbands. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Okay, if you can, if you can make yourself, uh, can you stand in a cluster? That's it, like just like that, a little, a wow, that's it. Hold each other, stand in a cluster. If you're a couple, and if you don't have children, if you're married or you're a couple, come, come up in front. If you're engaged, come up in front. <laughs> oh yeah, you're a couple if you're engaged, so. <laughs> All right. Can we do that? Can we do that? Thank you, Pastor, for that. All right. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Men, brothers, you are the men of God. You are the, the leader of your home. And sometimes that's a burden. That's a weight, you know. You're the leader of the home. And sometimes the wife might not feel that. And then the, 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 your wife may feel that, you know, well... I wish he was, he was more of a leader or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Ladies, whatever it is, the men are the ordained, anointed leader of the home. Whether we, whether we feel it or not, we cannot go by feeling. This is God's command, okay? So this is what we need to do, men. I want the men of each family, all right? Whether, you know, the husband, the father of each cluster that you're standing here, I want you to take one hand. I want you to lay it on your wife. I want you to pray for your wife and the other hand to pray over your children right now. I want you to pray over your wife. I know that pastor is doing that with his family. Father, in the you, you pray. Whatever you feel to pray. Men, ladies, I don't want you to pray. Ladies, do not pray. Just receive the prayer from your husband. Receive the anointed prayer from your husband. Now, if you are a widow lady and your son is the authority figure, the head of the home, let your son be the one to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over our men, our fathers, our husbands. I pray over them, whether they are single fathers, whether they are single dads. If they are raising their children alone, I pray for these men. I pray for our 
authority figures in the home you will anoint them that they will have a prayer life they will have a spirit life with you like never before transform our fathers transform our husbands oh god to be the example setters let them set the example in the home right now let them set that example to their children their grandchildren to their wives to their wives in the name of Jesus 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 children i want you to receive the prayer of your father receive it let there be forgiveness let there be a release let there be obedience and submission let them if if you've been hurt if you are feeling hurt if you are angry children you release that to Jesus right now you release that to Jesus you forgive you release it and become submitted to those to those that are over you in the spirit in the name of Jesus come on fathers let's lift up our voice men Let's lift up our voices and pray and and protect pray plead the blood of Jesus over your children right now. Plead the blood of Jesus over your spouse, over your home, over over the everything in your home. Plead the blood of Jesus over everything in your home. Let nothing be brought into the house that will defile the house. That will defile the house. Don't bring anything in the home that will defile the home. pray over your pray consecration make a fresh commitment to your spouse to your children that you will be the standard bearer of Jesus Christ that you will be the example that God wants you to be in Jesus name now men i want you to do this fathers husbands i would like you to do this i want you to pledge to your family right now that i will be the best christian and i will try to be the best christian that i have ever been that i will walk the way of the lord and i will be accountable to god and the authority figures in my life i will be a loving husband and a loving father i will do my best to be that i know we can make mistakes and we do stuff we're human god god sees that but he's for you and not against you he's on your side would you do that right now make a pledge to your wife and your children men you speak the rest of the family listen to the man who's speaking make that make that commitment to your wife right now I will love you. I will love you unconditionally. I will be an example of prayer to you. I will be an example of love and consecration commitment to you. And speak that over your children. Single dads, speak that over your kids right now. I will be an example to you. I love you. And and if if you if there's been any misunderstanding and hurts, ask them to forgive you. Honey, forgive me. kids forgive me forgive me come on talk to them for a minute talk to them for a minute and the music can come back on and we're going to worship God I'm giving that whatever pastor has to say because he knows he's your pastor your shepherd and your counselor and he knows 
you know, the, the struggles. He knows where you're at. Pastor, would you come? And whatever you need to say to the Father.